those who know me, you know that a daily routine is vital to my health. You know, from my meditations, my prayers, focusing on what I eat, getting my walk and my workout in. But the one thing that's been consistent for five years is I make sure I listen or read two to three minutes of good news a day. Why? There was an amazing study from Harvard from one of the most popular psychology professors, Dr. Tal bin Shahar, that said if you listen or watch two to three minutes of good news a day, you can actually lower your cortisol levels, which reduces inflammation and stress, the things that I needed to do. We are so proud, we are so honored and excited to announce our partnership with the one and only Good News Network. GNN has been number one on Google, Bing, or wherever you search for good news. So do yourself a favor and make GNN.org part of your morning routine to get your daily dose of good news. To me, it's about connecting, again, being a vessel to share stories, because I do, I really do believe more than anything else is when you meet someone, whether it be in person or on your television or in your film or whatever it is, is when you can change minds and hearts, is when you actually kind of experience that. And so for me, there's nothing greater in terms of the purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, it's so good to be back for another episode of Living Good Currency with Tony. And Tobias. Every week we sit down with just some incredible human beings that inspire us, and now we know they inspire you. Because of all the awesome comments and reviews that you're giving us on the podcast, we appreciate it. Keep it going. It fuels us. Today's an awesome episode because we get to bring on a friend of mine for over a decade named Sheetal Sheth. Sheth is an accomplished actress, author, producer, and activist. She's best known for her provocative performances in a wide range of memorable roles in film and television. She has starred in over 20 feature films and many TV shows that have earned her a loyal and international following. She began her career at a time when few South Asians were making their living as actors, and despite being told she'd have to change her name, her successful career has trailblazed paths for other women of color across media. She's also an acclaimed author. Frustration out of not finding enough books that were really talking to her children, she just started to write her first children's book, Always in Jelly, which was published in 2018 to wide acclaim. It won the 2019 Purple Dragon Storybook Grand Prize and set to be a series, the first and only in this age group featuring an Indian-American girl hero. The second installment, Bravo and Jolly, was a number one new release on Amazon when it was published a few months ago. And if I'm, the rumor's correct, I think she's coming out with a third end of this year. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Sheila. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to see you. Oh, so nice to see you too. I can't believe the last time we... I mean, we met. I we met actually when you were promoting the the Albert Brooks movie. I think I think that's right. I was thinking back as well, and that when that the movie came out in two thousand and six, so that's how long wow. ago <laughs> that was. Wow. What do you think? You know, living good currency is about focusing on your passions, your purpose, and aligning them together, right, on a daily basis. And so, when you think about your professional trajectory, which we understand, especially the, the, the culture and ethnicity that you represent. What do you think, what is your professional passion that drives you? What is that North Star that through the, the, the lack of auditions because of maybe your color or maybe your name or maybe where you're from, like what was that constant driving force that you're still doing it today? Well, I always feel like you know, and I believe we all have this, but I do feel like I have something to say that only I can say. And I also believe that 
the stories that I want to tell, I mean, you can see it by all of the work I do in all capacities, are always about centering traditionally marginalized communities. Because I believe that the more voices we have from different backgrounds, the stronger we are and the smarter we are and the better we are. And it seems kind of silly and Pollyanna at this point because you feel like, really, Hilary, you have to say that? But you have to say that because when you see you know, the makeup of things and who gets to make the decisions and who gets a seat at the table. As far as we've come, we still don't have that in kind of the upper echelons. We don't have, when people say, what do you feel like we're missing? And I said, well, I think people are opening the doors a little, but it's not enough to open the door. It's, you you can't just pull up the seat. You have to support these these artists. You have to put all of the things behind them that you would everybody else. And you need kind of the gatekeepers and the people in charge to also get it, you know, and not kind of do it because they feel like they have to or because it's like, okay, look, I, I've got that black show. Oh, I've got that brown thing, whatever it is, because they want to feel good. It's like really like, are you, are you treating it the same way you are all your other stuff? Are you putting the money behind it, the resources by, behind it? Do you want it to succeed? And the only way, and they, they'll say yes, but you have to, it's, it's like actions speak louder than words. And I feel like that's where we are right now. It's like we really need to not just open the door, but really put all the tools behind these people and stories. Okay, but that, and that is so true. But I want to know what drives you to not just, I, I get it, to well, tell those marginalized stories, but you just gave us all the odds that it's constantly, you're constantly yeah. going against, right? Yeah. And so did you find a pivot? Did you find that acting, just showing up for the auditions wasn't enough because of the system? And then you had to do so. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, what, what I realized actually, Tony, is that I would sit across from people and I'm like, I can, I'm, I'm at least as smart as you. I can do that. I could probably do it even a little bit better. You know what I mean? And you start to realize that all these people in charge are not that different from you, actually, you know, and I could do it. You know, there's, this, I always, I've, I've also come from a background of really like meritocracy and working really hard and you have to earn what you get because that's all I've known. That's all my parents have had. And so when you enter a world where that's not necessarily the case and you see that it's really not a meritocracy most of the time, um, it's hard. It's hard to kind of reconcile that in your brain because you so I so believe in fairness and justice and, and the right things happening. And that doesn't happen, you know, in the world, especially in our industry. And so I really realized that I can basically I was like, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And really just found the confidence in myself and knowing that um, they were no more better than I was. And yes, I had to figure it out and I had to learn and, you know, the learning curve was large, but I was willing to do that. And I'm I'm really good at it, you know, and I realized that in the process. So I'm kind of like, okay, here we go. You know? And that led to, I mean, I'm, 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 Jump in, but I'm just I'm just oh, I'm no. just vibing on it right now, Tobias. <laughs> mm-hmm. And once you get Tobias started, you know what I mean. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm, tri- I'm, tri- <laughs> I'm trying to get my words in now. So is that what you you know when you look at your from an actress to a producer to an activist to an author, and now sort of wearing all these hats because I know it's not just one you leave it behind. 
right? You're, you're sort of blending these things in and infusing it. Walk us through that story of, of being an actress, being, seeing the writing on the wall and certain things, knowing that you're good and you can train yourself. What was the next step on that? Yeah, it was having more say in, you know, I was doing projects and it was, it was being kind of disappointed or, you know, just un- underwhelmed with kind of what the projects were doing. And a lot of it was the nature of business. And like I said, being ahead of your time and people not quite ready for cer- for certain stories, but a lot of it was just, you know, different leadership. And I'm just not one of those people that likes to complain. I'm like, instead of, I- I'd rather do something about it. And so I was like, well, maybe I should take a shot at it. Maybe, maybe I should try. Um, and what I discovered is yes, is as hard as I ever imagined. But, um, I also know that I will work harder, do the extra thing. Like I, I will do the thing, you know, if I love something, I am all in and anybody who works with me knows that every project that I take on now, I feel more than ever because of just who I am. And also what I've dealt with in the last few years of my life have taken on more meaning in that I constantly ask myself, what do I want to leave in the world? What do I want to leave behind? What is it that I want to put out into the world? And more than ever, I mean, I've always been drawn to kind of stories um, that are of a certain nature. And I think when you look at my um, kind of filmography, you see that. And I think that's because since I was a young child, like it's interesting, people always ask me, so did you get into like social justice now? And I'm like, no, I've, it's, you don't grow up the way I grew up and not have that as a part of your DNA. You know, it's like just you, you are constantly being presented with scenario after scenario where you have an acute sense of fairness and justice because of just your life. And that was very much me because I went back to India so much when I was a child. And so I was very aware of the inequities of the world since I was like three years old. And so I've always been involved in community, in service, in social justice, in many different forms. And then it was interesting when I started acting, the movies and TV that I wanted to do always had an undercurrent of it. And I was always drawn to those projects. And so I don't think it's a mistake that we found each other and that those elements existed in those, in those projects, you know, and then, and then, yes, I started producing. And of course, the stuff that I want to produce always have some element of that to it. And then, you know, when I started writing children's books, once again, like very much aligned on what I want to put out there, what I want to put into the world, what I want to put out there about me and my people and what I feel like was missing and needed in the, in the world um, to move the needle forward, to hopefully make all of our minds and hearts kinder, brighter, stronger, all of those things. And I do believe that you start with our youngest and there's nothing you can't talk to kids about. And so that's very much a driving force with all my stuff is that like, I'll talk about anything. I don't think anyone is too young or too old. It's just about finding the way into it. Mm, well, Tony, I was, and I believe our, our audience would love this. When he called you tenacious, you know, <laughs> tenacity has to be made of something. And that's what I believe Tony was really, getting at what is it made of so i'm sitting here listening we're hearing about the pushback we're hearing about the system and you know part of my story was being incarcerated for 30 years and those same personalities that run uh in prison systems often run all social systems so it's not just unique 
to me sitting right. inside of some prison. You know, they have a tendency to incarcerate and imprison uh, most people. So in that, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, real talk. So when you're speaking, yeah. you're saying that it was the self-confidence. And I really just want to unpack that for a second. When you're dealing with a system or a culture that plays on your lack of confidence, plays on them being the greater or them being the better or you are black or brown or criminal or convicted or whatever the case might be, a woman, whatever, so-called disabled, whatever the case might be. And in face of that, you understand whatever I love, I'm going to give myself to it. You know, I'm going to see this point out why, because social justice is in my DNA. I'm not new to this. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. regardless to the obstacles and the opposite uh, or the, the opposition that is coming at us, that we have to stay at our core purpose, our core truth. And that is very difficult to feel beautiful when someone telling you you're not beautiful. It's very difficult to say, I'm strong. I, I am strong. No, you're not strong. My existence predicated on your weakness. So right mm -hmm. now, I am over you. I am your sergeant, a lieutenant, I'm a warden, or whatever the case might be, and you need to be weak right now. And so that's where Tony says this is a tenacious woman. She has tenacity. As I'm listening to what you're saying, uh, it, it, it rings through because you said, for one, self-confidence. I had confidence in myself. I know who I am. I know what I'm seeking to offer the world. I know what I want to pour into the world. So to then uh, create a legacy of work that puts you in position to produce your own. And this is where uh, personally I'm at right now, and this is where me and Tony's relationship becomes very powerful because I've never been in a position to own my voice. I've never been in a position to own my thoughts. I was a number, mm -hmm. 876464. So now mm -hmm. to have a podcast and to be a part of you a- You quite literally are now. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say these yeah. things, and I believe in our audience, it's always someone trying to put us down to elevate themselves. And so when we can mm -hmm. draw off that self-love, that confidence, see those difficult times through until the time in our life comes where we can be the producers. We can lead the, uh, we'll mm -hmm. be the writers. We'll produce the work that maybe wasn't produced when we were young people. So, uh, yeah, I thank you for that. And another important point, there's not anything uh, young people uh, need to be talked to on various levels. It's just our matter, our manner of approach. That's yes. something very powerful. 100%. Uh, yeah, so I just want to thank you for that uh, so far because uh, that's where that tenacity, that, that's where that, that spirit uh, comes into the person and that person comes into the profession. So that's what I've drawn from you so far. Thank you. No, and I feel that. You can't have one without the other. No, no. For those who, including my, ourselves, you talked about your parents. You said it's all you knew, hard work, details. Can you Can you walk us through that? Can you walk us through some of the past that, you know, how you were able to cultivate these skills and, and, you know, people, when I read your bio, they read, you know, we don't, in the bios, we don't talk about the failures, the quote unquote learning lessons, <laughs> the setbacks, yeah. right? I, we like to some, somewhat times, sometimes actually talk about them because you clearly overcame certain obstacles. And, and these are the lessons that these are nuggets that we can learn from our audience can learn from. And so, can we just go back to your, your parents, your childhood, mm -hmm. just so we could we begin to learn so that some of us who didn't grow up in India or maybe didn't have mom and dads like yours, there's lessons there for all of us to learn. 
Yeah. So I grew up in America, actually. But when I said India, my parents are from India, but they're the quintessential kind of immigrant family and traditional old school. When you think of kind of an Indian person coming from India, my dad came here to get his master's and graduate degrees in the sixties in the sixties. Okay. Um, and he went to Utah. So just imagine that. And then he went back and had an arranged marriage with my mom and then moved to the, and my mom left nine brothers and sisters and everything she knew to go with this man that she barely knew across the, the ocean and came to America and, you know, barely spoke English. This was again, early seventies now. So we didn't have, you know, now where you have like a bazillion Indian stores, groceries is whatever. Like my mom has stories when she was like grinding vegetables, you know, the stuff that they had to do no money, you know, really immigrant story, you know, where, where they were very much there here for the American dream and, and just pulled themselves up with every little thing they had. And so they worked really hard. My mom was at home. My dad was working. They had three kids. I was in the middle. I was born in New Jersey. Um, and then we eventually moved to Pennsylvania because the taxes got too high in New Jersey. It was, it's always a funny story because we have, I have a little brother, but he's much younger than me. And so when he was, my mom was pregnant with him they're like, we need, we were in a tiny little house. Like, I think it was a two bedroom and she's like, we're going to need to move. And they couldn't find anything they could afford. So they moved like 20 minutes across the border. So my dad still worked in Jersey, but we moved across the border so they could afford it and then bought a house. And over time, you know, made roots, created community, created friends. Um, and I was very much that first generation kid that was figure, trying to figure out where I fit in the middle of all that, because as much as my parents wanted this new life and the American dream, they had this idea somehow that like, I could, I wouldn't be American. I would still be very Indian. And I was like, but I'm American. And so there was a constant like push and pull of like, well, who are you? Who am I? Where am I in the midst of this? My parents were like, worried I'd become too Western when we live in America, you know, all the stuff that they were trying to shield me from, which is inevitable. Um, and so there was a lot of that, you know, growing up and not really having, you know, anyone to look towards. Obviously there was no one who looked like me in media or in any of the books I read or in the television shows I watched. And so I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. I didn't feel like I fit in at school. And then even with my Indian friends, like, it didn't feel like it fit in there. Like there was all these different parts of me and I didn't know how to kind of mold them together. I didn't know how to be myself and each, it felt like I was a, a different part of me with different people almost, you know, it's almost like you're hiding different parts of yourself around the, in different communities and different kind of stages. And then, you know, when I went to college is when I, I mean, I was, we were in a small suburban town in Pennsylvania. So it was predominantly white. And so it wasn't until I moved to New York and went to NYU where I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> there are a lot of other people out there. You know, I knew that, but I didn't really like live it and really find my people in the way that I have now because you know, I'm in a city. Um, and so it was a lot of not knowing who I was, not having, not feeling like I had, it's so funny because people think of me as someone who's so outspoken and assertive and confident while I am. I wasn't always, I was really kind of shy and not sure of myself. I mean, I would, I would be very confident when it came to kind of academics and school because it was something tangible, but in terms of like EQ and social skills and all of that, I really, you know, it, it took a minute for me. I'm still working on it. Yeah. <laughs> 
work in progress. But and so, yeah. is it the is it your the tangible part of school and your detail oriented persistence? I'm trying to get to the root of of is it because you saw your mom and dad try to live in what this quote unquote American dream? Is it that that constant drive? Was it the fact that you felt like you're in the middle, not on the left, the right, the or whatever it is? Is it all these experiences that led you to have this just just tenacity to just push forward despite the obstacles? Well, I know how to work hard. No, I know how to work hard because I saw it. My parents, like many, many, many families, immigrant families, like they work, like really work hard. You know, I joke that whole, I mean, this whole thing that went viral with Kim Kardashian saying, no one wants to work. And I'm like, maybe your bubble doesn't. But my friend, let's open up the world a little bit, you know. And so I know what it means to work hard. And I know that I have the kind of work ethic that was why I did well in school. I'm a great student. I'm a great, like, so if I decide to do something, I can do it. I know how to do it. And my parents instilled that in me. And I think at the end of the day, that's really what separates me again in the sense of, like, I will put in the extra hours. I have no problem doing what it takes to make the thing what we need it to be. Oh my God, you hear all the sirens? New yeah, York sirens. That's, that's New York. That's, that, that's a soundtrack in New York. Yes. Uh, uh, Tony, what I find interesting, like even in my childhood, um, my voice wasn't uh, cultivated, very shy and different person coming from Los Angeles to South Carolina, coming from a father who was very uh, militant, uh, Afrocentric, mm-hmm. A revolutionary base to South Carolina that was still segregated, Christian, you know. So I never felt like I was myself. I felt out of place, actually afraid the majority of that time. Mm-hmm. And what I find very unique, there's always a time in our lives that we can put ourselves together. It's like I'm this person with my father, then I'm this person with my mom, then I'm this person with my Mm -hmm. mom's husband for 40 years, then I can be this person with my little sister, then my little friends, I was this person. Then I found myself by the time I was like 33, I had like a thousand different masks upon my face. I had to keep (laughs) me moving. Like, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? That I've actually like lost myself and I didn't even know who I was. And so it came uh, to the point, because we were looking at what you have uh, accomplished professionally, but the real success came inside of yourself. And I think this is what we're getting at here that, you know, what we appear in stardom, what we appear when we're looking on these screens and we're reading these books and it's all made up and it's shiny, that it's real people, a real person, a real woman, a real soul, a real spirit behind that who went through watching her parents. I'm talking about tenacity. Tenacity mm-hmm. is your mama. <laughs> you yeah. Just imagine that yeah. part of the story. Like, okay, come, get married. I'm going to move you away from everything you know into America mm-hmm. in the 60s or early 70s. Don't yeah. speak the language. Don't know the culture. And most likely your husband is about to go to work in school and you're going to have to. Yeah. So when you say drawing from that social justice DNA, oh, man, that's why I started. Yeah. I said, man, we're going to applaud her mama. We see where she gets it from. And <laughs> then right. for you to find some time in your life, it's like, okay, I'm not going to be in a, a situation of insecurity. I'm not going to be just drawn over here. I'm going to bring all myself together. I'm going to be fully invested in what I'm doing so I can get to this point inside of my life. So many uh, people who are listening today, 
I know that we feel the same way. We feel torn. You know, so much going on in the world. There's so much harm and hurt mm-hmm. and lack going on. So many things pressing against us that we don't feel that our true selves can come out. So to see these kind of living examples uh, is very important for us. Yeah, I think, um, Sheila, what's interesting is, you know, we often quote what Tony Robbins says, that life happens for you, not to you. And mm-hmm. when you really think about that, and we're going to go deeper into some other conversations that you glossed over mm. because it's important for the audience, I think, to know about your tenacity. Um, what I, when you come into Hollywood, when, when, not you, but when people come in, they see the glitz, the glamour. They, they don't, most people that I've met in the 20 some odd years I've been out here, they don't know why they're really doing what they're doing. They don't know why they're really Ooh. chasing to the be dream. an actor. It, it, it it's disguised as a dream, exactly. The quote-unquote American dream, the quote-unquote Hollywood dream. But they haven't even taken the chance or the time to reflect on why they're doing this. Why? Okay, imagine you're Brad Pitt now. You got Brad Pitt status. Now what? Oh, I can buy mm-hmm. this. I can buy that. I can do this. I can do that. But then what? Why? Like, yeah. And so what I love about life happening for you, just in the, in the acting stuff is that how you were born, the family you were born into the culture you were born into at some point, especially you said you were a little bit too early was an impediment. It was an obstacle. It, you know, it had you not been um, maybe, maybe just all American white family or whatever the traditional thing is that was working at the time. Maybe you wouldn't have those obstacles. You wouldn't have that, that, that drive. Maybe you would have a different why as a matter of fact, but because of your obstacles, because of the things that you saw that you needed to take it into your own hands, I can do this. I look at that as for our audience to realize that whatever you're going through, it really is happening for you. And Sheetal, when you, when you realize that that was happening for you and you wanted to do something about it, a la being an activist, meaning you're actively working towards trying to solve a problem, walk us through, because... You didn't get caught up in the traps of the Hollywood mess of it all. I, not that I know of. Yeah. And so, tell, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, there might be some stories we don't know about, but. No, no. I mean, but it's interesting. I, I've never been kind of attracted to the bright, shiny thing. You know, that's never been my North Star. So why, okay, why acting then? I'm curious. Well, I, I mean, I will tell you, I love people and I love connecting like there's nothing that I love more than meeting someone new and getting inside their brain and figuring out what, why they think who they are, who they, like all of the things I'm fascinated by it. I'm never going to get sick of it. Like I'm obsessed with, with anything in terms of just, you know, psychology, people, why they do things like it's really interesting to me. So that's why, you know, because it's, to me, it's about connecting and then again, being a vessel to share stories, because I do, I really do believe more than anything else is when you meet someone, whether it be in person or on your television or in your film or whatever it is, or through a song or a book is when you can change minds and hearts is when you actually kind of experience that. And so for me, there's nothing greater in terms of the purpose. And I love that, that answer, by the way. And I love the fact that you talked about sharing stories, because really, if you look at your career, you are whatever, an actress, an author, an activist, a producer, a director. It's storytelling. 
You're, 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 you're telling yeah. your story that you want to be told. You said, I, I have a story. You believe that you have a unique story. We all have unique stories. And so it's yeah. all storytelling. And storytelling helps influence people's lives. And what I love about it is you've chosen yes. to influence people positively. Can we, can we walk? Yeah, I mean, I also want to. Go ahead, please. No, I was just going to say, you know, uh, Jason Reynolds, who's like, you know, a legend in children's everything. Um, always, I, I'm going to, I love what he says. He says, I write for all children, but I'm writing to black kids. Mm. And I feel very much like that in terms of my work in the sense of like, I do this. And of course it's, it's for everyone. And it's universal and the messages and themes, but I really am writing to little Brown kids. And, and it came because I was pregnant with my first child when I was in children's bookstores. And I had that moment in the store where I was looking at the books and I was like, are you kidding me? It hasn't changed. Like I literally was like, it's the same books. It's from when I was a kid. <laughs> like, on, are you kidding on, me right on. now? I was like, oh I like was so upset. Mm. And I was like, there's no way my kids are growing up the same way. That's no right. fucking way, That's you right. know? And so it was all of that, you know? So you had that <laughs> aha moment. You weren't a writer at this yeah. point, correct? A children's no. author. No, right? <laughs> I was like, no, no, not a children's author. And I was like, this can't be, you know, and again, this whole, I'm not going to complain about it. I'm going to do something about it. And I just thought, let me see. And I, and sure, I was like, surely it's just this bookstore. Surely it's mm -mm, not mm -mm. the, 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 you know, what it is. And so I went on a deep dive and I was, I found every book I could that centered, you know, a South Asian American kid or a Brown kid or whatever kids of color and found out that there are more books about animals than wow. there are about kids of color. There are, you know, in terms of still, this is now back in the day, the latest numbers in 2022, I think we're back at, I think we're at nine point something percent books that center kids of color. Um, again, still, and I think there's like almost 40% of them around animals and so forth. And so I, I just, I was like, I am going to take a stab at it because I really... I did think I had, like, as I was reading and I mean, I read, I, I was pregnant. Right. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to sit in the bookstore <laughs> and, you know, read. And I really like, as through reading and doing the research felt like, okay, I might have, I think I have a take on this, you know, yes. because the stuff that I was finding, not that they didn't exist, but again, they centered around holidays, religion, cultural celebrations, again, kind of very exotic like I was like they just think we're that and I literally was like do they know that we also go to school and yes. play sports and have yes. pets and do everyday things like can we also write about just us and not having it be kind of performative and explaining our existence and be like oh this is what a sorry is this is what it like that that's not our lives on an everyday daily you know thing and so I, that was my you know and then I realized there wasn't ever a book series in this age group that had an Indian American at its center. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And so, you know, before I got, I, of course I had all these ideas of grandeur. I was like one step at a time. I had knew nobody in publishing. I didn't have any idea, you know, so I just started writing and it took years. It took years for me to, to get to a place where I would share it with someone. And then I had to find some people in the industry on my own, um, you know, found, like through the grapevine, someone connected me, this, this, whatever. Finally, someone would read it, give me notes, all of the things. It took a few years. And then I finally found um, a book agent. And then it took another probably year to sell the book because at that time, 
a lot of people were trying to either whitewash it or again, make it into something it wasn't. I had one editor even say, how brown do you picture her being? Like implying that we can't make her too brown, you know, that kind of thing. And I was like, wow, man. And so it took a really long time. And, but I kept at it. Uh, brother, yeah. I'm sitting yeah. here uh, uh, looking at the ingredients of the tenacity and I say patience, <laughs> endurance, and forbearance. You know, we just, okay, we congratulate the books. I found that was impressive. You know, I'm a person who's writing. I have aspirations to release my books to the world at some time. But when you said I would just take uh, due to your repute in life and your accomplishments in life that, oh, you thought about it and you put it out there the next week and gusto, we got the best. <laughs> so I said, oh, I see where the tenacity comes in again. A lot of patience, a lot of forbearance, research, taking the best amount of your time. Uh, another thing that I, I found interesting when you spoke with your parents and you said rooted themselves and out of that rooting came community. And I think mm -hmm. that's where the love of the psychology, understanding how things work, it takes so many elements for a thing to become rooted and then for something yeah. to blossom. So I want to go to another place. I believe in my research, do you have a relationship with basketball at, at, at some time? <laughs> or what? Yes. Yes, yes. Although oh, my I, God. Yes. I looked you at Tony's you? notes and he didn't have it. I said, oh, no, no, no. That's the point I got to talk about. Uh, is your do you, do you like to play? Oh man, basketball was my life at oh, some time. Me too. Yes, oh, at the most God, difficult yes. times in my life, me that basketball and that ten foot rim. Uh, I played on dirt, ice, uh, asphalt, <laughs> cornfield. Uh, but yeah, so enough wow. about me. No, but hold on. Basketball was also the place when you first got into prison that helped you cultivate your your voice. Correct basketball is what rooted me in that community because I've never been to jail before, didn't come from the background, didn't really was looked at, came from California. They looked at me for coming from right, South Carolina. Right. But everybody right. on the yard, a uh, thousand men, including the officers, were surround the court. And uh, at mm -hmm. that time, I was a pro-am basketball player where my case happened. And so that's really how wow. I brought people together through uh, taking out my stress and anxiety on the court, but before them, it was spectacular events. And then through those relationships, I cultivated my voice to become some form of political figure on the layer. But enough about me. They say you were formidable. Oh, I love that. They said formidable. You were formidable. Well, I, back, back in the day. Yeah, back yeah, in the yeah, day. Yeah, 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 but yeah. I, by the way, I love that. No, I, I played for seven years, mm. um, and it was the most important thing to me yes. in, the, in that time of my life. Yes. I... Like you said, when I was on the court and I was with my teammates, yes. the strategy, yes. the kind of focus. I, I love team sports. I love right. I love all of the things that come. I love basketball. Right. I remember going to my first professional basketball game and being in awe. Yes. How'd they do that? Yes, yes, you know? yes, yes, um, yes. And... I, I still love it. I put my kids in that. My kids are of so course. young. I put them in basketball camp last <laughs> summer. I was like, let's dribble. Like, oh, doing ball handling it. drills with like I a four-year-old. Yes, yeah. I <laughs> like, love it. Like, put it around your head. Now do it around your waist. Yes. Now do it around your leg. And it's yes. so funny what I'm doing yes. with them. Yes. But um, I love it. I see I really, it. like, I, I still am a big fan. Obviously, obviously, we just saw a big game the last few days. So it's always fun to watch. Okay. Just, like, and what was that big game you seen? Kind of well, I'm saying there was the girls, which UConn South lost. South Carolina. And obviously, we just, 
I know. Game oh, yeah, cock. Cock. <laughs> good for you guys. That yeah. was a good game. And, that was and, a good uh, game. Uh, I was talking to a friend, and that's that's uh, you know it's, it's ironic, but that was the school I was at when the state marshals came looking for me. I was at the University oh, USC Gamecocks. So every time that I go back wow. to South Carolina and I go to the school, uh, I know professors at the school the whole nine yards. So that was the first game I seen last week was watching those young ladies win. And so it was like a win for me as well, knowing that that place represents a dark place in my life. And to go back there in, in an honorable way uh, is a very – so when I seen on the bio, basketball – yeah. You see how it lit yeah, you up, your it. children dribbling, best time it. in I your know. life. I want to go out right now. I haven't I haven't played. I need to, like, yeah. you know, it's just you get busy and you don't get to do the thing. But no, do that. We even had, when I was growing up, we put a we put a basketball net on our on our driveway. And it's gone now. But it's like, I was like, Dad, why'd you get rid of that? Like, every time I come home, at least I could do it. But it's not there. Uh, we, had to, <laughs> we, we had to say one growing up, right over the garage. It was like, you know, the old school. Yeah, way. just like that. <laughs> The basket was torn off. It was like just the rim. <laughs> mm, exactly. That's all we needed. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, so Sheeta, walk us back through the the experience as an author. So you spent years in this process. Self doubt creep in. Publishing, Every day. yeah. Publishing, publishers aren't getting back to you the way you want them to. They're telling you how brown. At what point are you? Or not brown. Or not brown. Mm. Yeah. Again, the stick to of this. It's also you yeah. know being tenacious, being tenacious, but also just the 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 stick to of I'm going to do it. One of the things that we often talk about and teach in our journal and, and living good currency is show up with your intention. Always daily. Make your intentions, your personal, your professional, and spiritual intentions. And then do the actions that follow the intentions, but leave the results up to we call God, universe, whatever you want to call it. It's out of your control. So, and that's why, yes, we're celebrating right now the success of what you've done and what you're doing in life. But at that moment when you had this bright idea, I need to go do this book, you'd put the time and the effort in to do it. Then you start getting the rejections a little bit or the, listen, this is really yeah. good, but why don't you make it a few yeah. shades lighter? You know, at what or it never it may never get made. It may never get published. Yeah. Was there moments in that moment for our audience that you were telling yourself, you know, well, there's no illustrations yet. Maybe I could sell this book. Maybe I don't have to be so rigid so that I can get it sold and I'll do other things later. Like, was there any of that self doubt or were you just it doesn't matter, I'm I'm sticking with it? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, you know, I think that we have to find a way to filter everything coming at you. And I think it, it takes a skill and experience and time to be able to decipher what to listen to and what not to listen to. Because some things are very constructive and helpful and some things are not. But how do you know which one's which? And so it's it's hard. Um I am also, Tobias, not a very patient person. Mm. So when you talk about that, yes, it requires it, but I don't have, hey. that's, that is something I'm working on. <laughs> but I will say the it. thing that, yes, I think the thing that saved me is I have many creative outlets. And if I didn't have something else to work on, I think I would have lost my mind. And so for me, it really works 
that I am an actress because people say, how are you doing everything? It actually really works for me. There are some days where like, oh my God, too much is happening at the same time and I have to figure it out. But for the most part, when you're a creative person, as we all know, it's high risk, high reward. And there are long stretches of nothing. And so I really thrive on things I can do on my own and being productive on my own because I'm a highly productive person. So I really started writing because I was pregnant and I wasn't able to be, you know, acting. And then, you know, we've talked about this. I don't know if we're going to have time to get into it now. When I was going through cancer treatment, I was in the middle of chemotherapy and really angry for a lot of reasons and also not being able to do anything. I wrote more than I ever wrote before. And I didn't just like, I couldn't, I'm not one of those people that cannot just like, sit there and be like, okay, it sucks. Like I'm just, that's just not me. I need to do something. It's the way I feel better. And so for me, being able to have many creative outlets and different things happening in different times, it takes a lot to kind of manage it all sometimes, but it really helps me because then I'm busy doing things I love in a way that doesn't feel like I'm waiting for someone because there, I am waiting for someone in all of the, my jobs, no matter how much I'm in the driver's seat, you're waiting for someone at some point at all times. But at least I can go somewhere else and then put my energy into that while I'm waiting for that because otherwise I would go local. <laughs> I really would. I'm one of those people that cannot, I can't, I'm just like, I need to, I need to put my energy into something. So I just put it into something productive and I love it. So I just have to make sure I keep myself going in some capacity. Oh, I think that was a, a great observation because like you said, it wasn't a matter of patience. It's a matter of strategic creativity. So if this ain't going on over here, I'm going to take this energy and put it over there. And then as long as yeah. I'm working over here, then we'll get back to this over here. So that's a uh, that's an excellent way to look at it because often people just thought uh, I was patient in, in prison. I, yeah. just wasn't, I just wasn't bored. I had plenty uh, to do. So if one yeah. thing wasn't working, I'd just give myself fully over to something else. I think that is something that, uh, you know, rings out and resonates to our audience because uh, patience is often hard to cultivate in certain situations. Yes. But it's a matter of just taking yes. the energy and doing some productive, still advancing your life in that way until yes. you can get in the book or whatever the case might be. I mean, And it's so interesting because people ask me all the time, you know, like you have kids now, that's even harder. How do you manage it all? And I always say, you know, kids aren't for everyone to each their own, whatever they want to do. But for me, it's made my life richer, deeper, yes, more meaningful. Yes, and yes, my, yes, and yes. my work has only gotten better. And so, and I've noticed it. I know it because of everything that I've lived, you know, well life, right. You life is only yes. going to enrich you. Like you got to go out and live. And so for me, kids and, and because I've worked with kids my whole life and now that I get to write, you know, when I wrote my first one, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I really liked it. And I didn't realize how much I would love it. And now it has become as important to me as all the other jobs I do. And now I have many, many books coming out and I visit schools and I've done over a hundred school visits and I love it so much. Um, I can't imagine my life without it. So there's, there's a lot she said that you get, that we have to unpack in a, in, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time, Sheetal, but often you, anybody listening is going to be in awe of the fact that you are, Yes, we say tenacious. You love to work hard. You you can't stay still. You want to. You don't want to be waiting on someone else. And someone could listen and go, "That's amazing. She has that talent. I don't." But here's the thing. This is what we want to learn from these podcasts. These these conversations that we're having is that yes, we may not be intuitively 
We'd rather watch a Netflix series and binge or eat and just lay around waiting for those answers because it it feels like maybe that's their sense of control. But one of the things that we talked about, we talk about often is when you talk when you focus on your personal, professional, and spiritual passions on a daily basis, when you write the sentences, I this my I'm personally excited about being a healthy, healthy, good brother, good father, good son, blah, blah, blah. Professionally, to work on projects to scale good news, spiritually to please God. For example, I write these things daily so that then every action I do, I try to fit within my passion mm-hmm. so that I know I'm fulfilling. And we say that whether you're picking up a piece of trash or you got a $10 million deal, it's one good currency. You don't differentiate mm-hmm. the two. So the skills that Sheetal's talking about of having multiple projects going on, something to, to constantly focus on so that you're not waiting this is what we're talking about, about, focusing on the different passions. Understand that you have personal, professional, and spiritual so that when you're, if you just are an author right now, you, you're like, I, I just want to start this business or I, I want to write, but it's just not happening. Sheetal just gave, you just gave us a great lesson on focusing on, okay, what else can you do with your time mm-hmm. to be productive? Use that word productive, right? So that you feel yeah. accomplished, that you're feeling that you're doing something. And the only way to really do that is if you make the intention on what it is that you that you like to do, that's aligned with a service. And to that yourself. could be, it doesn't have to be like, it could be, it doesn't have to be something like as literal as like, let me sit down and write something. No. And then what it is we want to do. It could be researching. It could be watching a bunch of things that feed into your creative piece. It could be taking a walk. It could be going for a bike ride. It could, but it's about doing stuff that cultivates whatever part of you that you need to, to keep kind of moving, you know, there's this story, I don't know if I'm going to tell it right, but there's this like old story. I don't know if you heard about the, the dog with the nail. Have you ever heard that thing where there is this, it's an old, I'm going to not tell it right, but basically it's a, there's a, there's a bar and there's a dog sitting on a nail in the corner and the bartender's like, comes in and was like, what, why isn't that dog getting up? He's on a nail. And the guy says, cause it would hurt him more if he got up. And I think it's a really important lesson in just thinking about it because think about how much we don't do because we're scared or because we're afraid we're going to fail. And I always say a year ago, you're going to wish you started today. And so just do it, just do it, just do it, just do it, just do whatever it is you want to do, small steps, every little thing, and then just keep building on it. It will get there. Oh, uh, Sheila, when, when you spoke on now this author, and uh, there's a quote that we utilize, circumstances and situations don't define us, they just reveal who we are. So in the midst of two life-threatening circumstances, cancer and pregnancy, especially in brown African-American communities, so many of our women die in pregnancy. So not to skip over what you just said, cancer and pregnancy are the two places that you cultivated your pin womanship. Mm-hmm. And now that cultivation has become books in which are giving you a platform globally from two things that our women are dealing with right now, pregnancy and cancer. And I, mean, the, I never thought about it that way. Mm, and I think that's so insightful. Yes, yes, yes. And beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. That no, this is something I had to do. So I'm picking up, I'm writing, and we see. So the the point of it is, yes, the circumstance was, but it didn't define you. It revealed something in you. And that was the pen in that voice. 
Now, now that has turned into a whole revolutionary movement that you're bringing <laughs> narrative and story and language and faces and places that normally was not been. But we have to go back to the roots in which that community was created from. I was pregnant in one circumstance and I was dealing, struggling, fighting with cancer in another. So I thought I would be remiss in my duty if I didn't mention uh, that. That's very, I mean, I've never thought about it that way and it's making me, I'm going to sit with that. <laughs> That's amazing. That's the skill of Tobias. That. That's the skill of Tobias. Uh, oh, I'm just <laughs> listening. I, we'll have a normal conversation. Do you realize what you're eating <laughs> I don't right do that, there? Tony, don't do that, Tony. Do you realize what you're eating? <laughs> I love and, that. And I just go, my gosh, you're right. Just, <laughs> I got three quick questions for you. First of all, okay. congratulations, Sheena. We appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. And we'll definitely do Thank it you again for having me. when your book, your third book comes out. Quick rapid fire question. One, who's the mentor, whether you're alive or someone you've met or never met, that has had the biggest impact on your life? You know, I will tell you, I get asked this question a lot and I've never been able to come up with an answer because for me, it's really everyday people. Like hey. it's the, the people that I meet through. Yeah, that's an answer. And I'll skip to the last one. I'll just actually two because of time. This, this, the second question. The second question is, what few words of advice would you give your younger self? Oh, just to to listen to your to listen to that voice, to really really believe that you know, and that you're stronger than you are for sure. Cheeto, <laughs> I appreciate you so much, and, and thank I appreciate you, for your time. you guys. Thank you. This was fun. Don't forget to check out new episodes every Monday. We're super excited about this. I'm Sheetal Chef. I'm Tony Samadani. I'm Tobias Tubbs. And we are Living, living Good, good Currency. currency.